2: Hey, look at that. What's up, Rotor Grinders fam? Welcome to week 15 of the absolutely epic early week podcast. Once again, we're making making you wait until Wednesday for the pod. This week, for entirely different reasons. Uh, this week, uh turns out I love Bobby and Grant so much and love talking about football so much and have nothing better to do with my time on a busy NFL week. Uh, so I decided to accidentally not press record last night, and we got 45 minutes into the podcast before I realized that, so uh, huge apologies to Bobby and Grant. Uh, Thankfully, they are cool guys, and we're cool about it. So we will be doing take two, discussing the same things we discussed last night. Uh, It's kind of a shame, Grant, because part of what people like about this show, I imagine, is the spontaneity and the conversationalism of our format. Uh, so we'll go ahead and try to replicate that while having the same conversations we had last night.
3: Uh, thoughts there? I don't know if we'll have the same conversations. I've already had weird things happen to me since then.
2: <laughs> That's fair. Probably, like, we could record this back-to-back days and it would be an entirely different show. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so uh, Bobby, you took a nap last night, woke up in time to do the pod, and then were informed 45 minutes in that you'd waste your time. How are you doing today?
4: I'm all right, man. Actually, I slept better for some reason than I usually do, so maybe that, that nap thing is key. I never am able to nap, so I'm ready to get into it. I'm uh, it's a, I'm, I'm excited to have the – I do have the Lakers in the background because we don't usually get to watch them in L.A. because of the blackouts, but uh, it's on ESPN, so – Anyway, so I'm doing that in the background while I'm doing this show with you guys.
2: <laughs> What's the deal with the Blackouts? Is that because you watch like, your cord cutter or you can't get them on
4: like, actual no, TV? No, like, like the, because of the deals they've made with the different uh, whatever cable industry, it's just a nightmare. The Dodger game, same thing. I mean, I can still watch them, but
3: it's like it takes a little bit of a maneuvering.
2: Yeah, is <laughs> yeah, that I th- bizarre?
3: I think, I think they have exclusive deals with Time Warner Cable, so That's if you that. don't have them, you can't watch them.
2: Yeah. yeah, I feel like the uh, things like that are about 10 years behind the times on the way things are actually going to work here in the next couple of years um, with young people running things. But
4: My grandfather watches every Dodger game from every part of the world. Um, literally anywhere in the world, you can name it. He's been there watching the Dodger game on his laptop, but it's hard for him to watch when he's home.
3: Yeah. Um, this little yeah. dive bar I went to in Beijing, has he been there to watch the Dodger game? Not at a specific place. I'm just saying. No. <laughs>
2: uh, I hung out, Speed, if we're going to talk about world traveling, uh, I hung out with a dude in Rome in the spring who was a huge Astros fan. And he was very proud to tell me that the year that the Astros lost, whatever they lost, like 112 games, uh, you guys remember that season? Yeah. Anyhow, he was very proud of the fact that he had watched every single pitch in that season, had not missed a pitch. And uh, he said he was a little embarrassed by how much Astros he watched, but he felt like they were close to winning the World Series, and he wanted to be able to say that he watched every pitch from how bad they were to them winning. So hopefully he can uh, lighten up the load a little bit. um,
4: Can he tell us who's going to win it next?
2: (laughs) Yeah, he can tell us who's going to win it next. Um, Sports fandom there for you. Uh, Maybe your grandpa will have the Dodgers win up next. That seems likely. I hope so. All right, so we'll get back to football, talk about some of the things that we talked about last night, make some of the same jokes we made, make some new jokes. Uh, Grant, do you want to kick us off with a rant? I know that you have some stored up. You probably have some new ones. What do you have for us this week?
3: Uh, Well, last night when we did this, I talked about an Uber Eats driver that would not come up to my door to deliver my food because she brought her kids along, which is actually a great excuse to be lazy and multitask, but – I, I gave out my first four-star review just because I was, had to put on pants. But today, I'm sitting in my room, like almost just in my boxers, and I walk out into my living room, and there's someone just hanging out on my patio. <laughs> uh, it's a rooftop patio. It's only connected to my apartment, and he's cu- cutting wood, and I'm just really confused. And I go out there, and he spoke very little English. seemed like a really nice guy couldn't understand what he was saying i think he's setting something up on my roof and what i got was he's like yeah we didn't have to come through your apartment because i just climbed over on the roof uh the the landlord told me to do it. what so that's what i gathered from it which you know what if he's setting something up i'm fine with we don't have to be to, we have half of our stuff over at our other apartment so if he's stealing anything then it's really not worth too much anyways
2: that's bizarre you really do lead a bizarre life grant uh i feel like i've known a few people like you uh never probably to the extent of you i feel like you people bring these things on yourselves but then there's these random things that uh, like there's no explanation for the way that your life is uh i've had people before tell me that they think that you're lying about things and i'm like no it's all real everything that grant says is very real (laughs) shockingly um yeah Um,
4: he doesn't even really exaggerate
2: no, Yeah. no. You know, that's the, that's the mark. If you're there with somebody when a story happens and then you hear the story and it's the same as what actually happened, then you realize, oh, this, these things actually happened to this person in life. They are not just making up or exaggerating stories.
3: Yeah. Uh, I've had multiple people just call me out for being a liar and just like, I refuse to believe what you said and someone's staying right next to me. No, I was actually there with them. That's exactly what happened.
2: Yeah, it's just a bizarre experience uh, being friends with Grant Niefer. Uh All right, we have some punishment to dole out from last week. Um, Bobby, Bobby, we're giving him a pass. I guess it's not really a pass. We're all friends. We're all pretty good about this. But <laughs> we did want Bobby to tweet what we came up with, uh, in case you have not noticed. Actually, in case you're new to the show. I don't know who is new week 15, but we have – Uh, Each week, we each make a bold call, typically off the top of our heads. Typically, they end up being plays none of us really are interested in using by uh, Saturday and Sunday. But we uh, make a bold call, and Loser has to tweet out something embarrassing of the others choosing. Lately, it has been hashtag Tickle Siege themed, and we're keeping that going. So we we came up with, before you, what was it, before you Tickle Siege... Before you tickle Siege, grab a pickle and give it a squeeze. Uh, Bobby did not uh, appreciate that one. So, Grant, what did we come up with instead for well, Bobby? Also
4: for Steve to say.
2: Yeah, I mean, Siege has kind of mostly ignored this. He made some jokes one week, and then he's just stuck in the middle of us uh, <laughs> constantly tickling him each Monday or Tuesday. Um, so shout out to Siege for that. Uh, Grant, what did we come up with? What did you come up with for Bobby this week?
3: I think it was somewhere along the... R- I, we don't have it recorded, so I'm not exactly sure. But I think it was, um, if you really want to ramp up the Tickle fights with at the Siege DFS, blare some Nickelback and get things really going. Hashtag Tickle Siege.
2: Yeah, anything along those lines is is appropriately good. Not too bad. Obviously sticks with the theme. Honestly, that's probably one of the uh, least brutal ones we've had recently, because now we have this Tickle Siege theme going. That's pretty pretty tame for the other ones that we've gone with. So uh, what was last week? So Bobby had Corey Davis. I had Corey Coleman and Grant had D.D. Westbrook. Uh, actually all good calls. Uh, I think that Corey Davis is proving to be not as big of a big part of this offense and not as ready to make an impact as we all thought a few weeks ago. Obviously D.D. Westbrook, different story. Corey Coleman, second year in the league. Um, It was kind of crazy, the low ownership that we saw on Corey Coleman. It was under 1% last week, and that also – that stood out to me. Another thing that stood out to me was the really low ownership on Demarius Thomas, uh, something I talked about a ton last week, a guy who was 50% on the week before, basically, you know, identical level of matchup, same situation, Simeon throwing to him. It's crazy how short-term everyone's memory is in – DFS. Uh, Obviously, most of this show is about jokes, but every once in a while, it's good to throw some knowledge in there. Definitely something to pay attention to. I strongly encourage you, strongly, strongly encourage you to look at ownership percentages every single week. Scroll through tons of teams, look at all players, figure out what they're owned at. You start to get a sense for the sorts of trends we see and the reasons why guys drop drastically. I mean, something like Corey Coleman at half a percent just because Gordon got more targets the week before or Demarius Thomas, Uh, I I don't know what his percentage was. I had him on some um, teams in the Wildcat, but I didn't even pay attention to percentage. But um, again, you know, he's 50% the week before, got 10 targets. No reason to move off him just because he had a bad game, um, which we knew could happen anyway. So as always, um, try to throw some stuff in there to help us out as DFS players, and then we'll get back to the humor. Or we'll get to some discussions that might have some positive things in them as well. Uh, We're going to touch on the same topics we touched on last night. Old news for the three of us, new news for listeners. So um, first thing we want to talk about was not a ton of value this week, but we have three backup quarterbacks on the main slate, all playing against – well, two of them playing against a good defense, one of them playing against a bad defense. So I wanted to ask you guys again, thoughts on playing. Uh, obviously we have TJ Yates against the Jaguars. I think that the Jags will be chalk even though they are 4,500 this week. So uh, in tournaments, Bobby, any interest in shifting over to the Saints against Bryce Petty or the Giants against Nick Foles, or do you think you'll just stick with the Jags
4: regardless? Um. I'm going to play the Jags' defense. I'm not going to go with any of, any of these other things as much. Uh, that's mostly where I'm at. I don't really have a entire feel for what I'm going to do, but I know that these quarterbacks won't have anything to do with any of my lineups except for defense. So I'll be taking against them, and the Jags are the number one for me, and that's my priority.
2: Right on. Uh, and Saints, you like them as well this week, or is it just all Jags at this point?
4: I, I do like the Saints, but I'll, I'll more just let ownership dictate it. If everybody – if people – fade off of it, or if I really need this extra 600 on DraftKings, maybe I'll change it. But for the most part, I'm going to be heavily on the uh, the
0: Jams.
2: Yeah, and, and, you know, we defense is not something we typically talk about on this show. Uh, it's really not even something I touch on too deeply in articles. It's a lot of guesswork, a lot more guesswork than these other positions. But there have been these spots this year where you can lock in guaranteed points. So, Grant, from a cash game perspective, um, say you needed those 600 in savings to get down to the Saints – Against Bryce Petty, I mean, I think that Petty is a much worse quarterback. Obviously, the Jags are a better defense. So in cash games, Grant, do you think you'll be looking for a way to get up to the Jags, or do you think you'll have interest in the Saints or even in the Giants against Nick Foles?
3: So I'm not even sure why people think so much that the Jags are a better play this week. The Saints are a 16-point favorite, which is five and a half more than the Jags, which is significant. We haven't seen this much of a spread in a while, I don't think. Um, they are going to be ahead, meaning the the Jets are probably going to throw from behind. and want to see what the kid can do, so they're just going to let him just sling the ball. Um, He couldn't – like, Yates doesn't have a huge history of interceptions. That's one of the things we can more rely on. We can't really rely on defenses consistently getting uh, turnovers, but we can rely on opposing quarterbacks consistently getting them. Uh, so I don't I don't really see how the Jags are that much better of a play. I mean Petty's not good. New Orleans has a great defense. The only reason they haven't done great in the last few weeks is because of Lattimore not being in there. And we saw what happened with Lattimore in there last week against Ryan, getting what, two interceptions and three plays. So I don't think that the Jags are any better point per dollar, and I don't even know if they're much better raw points.
2: Interesting take. Uh, you have any thoughts on the Giants against Nick Foles or just no interest in going to a bad defense against Foles?
3: I mean, we'll talk about Foles in a second. You know I love Foles.
2: All right, so then let's swing over to that. Uh, Foles this week as a cheap quarterback, again, on a week without a ton of value. One thing that we talked about last night is just this idea that people don't pay close enough attention to coaches and the ability of – certain coaches to scheme things really well, certain coaches to put players in position to succeed. An extreme example is obviously the Rams with very similar personnel last year and this year. And we see what the difference is with Sean McVay there and Wade Phillips there and what they're able to accomplish. And it's the level of preparation that you put a team through, the level of mental reps that you put a team through, the ability of players to react on the field without having to think through things because they've experienced certain situations in practice again and again and again. That's what these coaches can bring in and then also obviously scheming guys into positions to succeed. So Nick Foles on this Doug Peterson offense that has been tremendous. Uh, interesting in cash games this week, Grant, for a cheap quarterback, Nick Foles? Uh,
3: right now he grades out as my top point-per-dollar quarterback on the entire slate. He's 5500 which isn't quite minimum price. but will probably get less ownership than he – really should because he's not one of those minimum price guys that's coming into the starting lineup. Uh, People will think back to what he did on the Rams, seven touchdowns to ten interceptions, but they forget that that's just entirely – those are pretty much the same numbers that Case Keenum got in that Rams offense. It's entirely situational and based on the fact that they had a terrible system and just terrible wide receivers and line and everything around them. Uh, In this offense, he has Jeffrey, he has Ertz, he has Aguilar, that's one of the best slot wide receivers In the NFL, he has a decent line. He has some of the best, like a great trio of running backs behind him. So he has everything on his side, and he's going against an entirely mediocre Giants defense. This is a guy that's had seven touchdowns in three quarters before, and he's a guy that has a huge amount of upside, and he didn't throw a whole lot of picks when he was actually playing for Philadelphia. He had one more, what's the word I'm looking for? Not consistent, efficient Seasons of any quarterback ever, so there's no reason not to believe that he can't come in here and probably not do as much as Wentz. But Wentz has been one of the highest scoring quarterbacks in the entire league this throughout the season. I think he might actually be the highest scoring quarterback uh, if we go by. No, nope, Russell Wilson is, is second, whatever. So a three point fallout in terms of points is still going to have make extreme value. Not only that, the changes between when they realized Wentz was out um the line only moved I think two points so that goes to show you that Vegas believes in pulls too
2: that's a good point uh, a couple things that we mentioned last night was uh, I thought that was a really sharp point about the all the weapons on this team and just the fact that yeah I mean you lose the quarterback obviously Wentz can do stuff with his legs Wentz does a, does a great job reading the field but I think that what we're going to see it's going to be similar to what Peterson did with Wentz last year similar to what McVay did with Goff at the beginning of the year, which was scheming a lot of really easy completions, uh, sequencing play as well, so that basically play, one play builds on the other in, uh, in a manner that kind of keeps the defense off of their balance and allows this quarterback to put up um, pretty easy points. I think that's what we'll see. And then as the game moves along, mix in some deeper throws. Obviously, I mean, we got to keep in mind, this is an Eagles team that has serious Super Bowl – aspirations. This was one of the favorites for the Super Bowl before Wentz went down, and they're not going to just go into a shell. Uh, We've seen it with Schermer and Zimmer on the Vikings, the way that they've been able to constantly adjust their offense while losing pieces. I think we'll see a similar thing here with the Eagles. Uh, Still a top five defense, still a ton of weapons on offense. I think that this is still a contender. Uh, The other thing I wanted to bring up was shout out to Bobby for all the talking up of Aguilor. Earlier in the year, uh, again, people kind of jumped to quick conclusions. Everybody said Aguilar was not a good player, not an NFL-caliber player, um, just because he'd had some bad games early on. Bobby instead watched the games and you know kept saying, you guys, look, Aguilar's a really good player. This guy's going to have some good games. Uh, we're seeing that now. So, Bobby, Nick Foles in tournaments, what's your level of interest there? Uh, let's say he's – 15% own. you think you'll be overweight or underweight on the field?
4: Probably just a little bit overweight. I actually am, I, am a fan this week. Uh, I mostly would want to pay up at quarterback, but there's two quarterbacks I'll use that are on the cheaper side. He's one of them. And uh, yeah, I just feel like it's a good spot. I feel like they have a really good system, a really good thing going over there. I don't think that it's all just what Carson Wentz can do, although I do think he's incredible. Um, and I, I think he's, he's in a perfect spot to succeed against the Giants defense that Gives up the fourth most fantasy points to quarterbacks. Um, it's a good spot for him, and I don't really know who to pair him with entirely in, in GPPs. I, I've got some, I mean, there's the obvious guys, but I'm not even sure how much I want to go there yet. I'm going to wait until uh, I look a little further in the weekend. Also, I want to see some ownership projections, but overall, I definitely think I'll have interest in him, especially if he's around 15%.
2: Are you ever interested in taking a quarterback and on a team like the Eagles that spreads the ball around? Are you ever interested in taking a quarterback and not pairing him with a wide receiver, or is that something that you always avoid?
4: All the time, I do it all the time. Playing playing somebody naked, but I, I don't like doing it as much anymore. I like, I prefer having running quarterbacks, and I, I can't even do it with like Brady anymore. He was not that he was a running quarterback, but he was a guy you could count on for getting the sneaks um, at least a few times a year. So he would you know he offered a different type of upside that other quarterbacks own, and that's what you're looking for if you're playing someone naked. Usually, it's a little different in this spot. But you could spread it around. It's just unlikely to spread. Like, if you want them to have, have a great game and throw four touchdowns for it to all go to different receivers, or even five in a really great game, um, it's just you think it's somebody who's going to have a big game in that spot along with them. It's hard to know who.
2: Yeah, and I think that one thing that's interesting is the fact that people get very locked into these certain rules. People ask me all the time about um, using a quarterback without one of their wide receivers or using a like a pass-catching running back against a defense, against them. Um, this is something that, like, you know, maybe Bon or someone like that has run through all the numbers. But, like, there are a lot of situations where a pass-catching running back is actually positively correlated to a defense against him because Absolutely. if a defense is doing – like, you're not rostering a defense for them preventing points. You're rostering a defense for them getting sacks, interceptions, defensive touchdowns, and if they're doing that, then they're putting up points. The, uh, they're ahead. The other team is passing the ball, and that pass-catching running back is catching the ball. If he scores a touchdown, that doesn't hurt your defense that much. Um, and people kind of get locked into these things that are said to be rules. Uh, I mean, I frequently don't pair my quarterback with a pass catcher. In these situations, like, Bobby, you mentioned running quarterbacks, um, and another one is something like, like a guy like Wentz or Breeze in the past who has a ton of weapons that they can spread the ball out to it can make uh, a lot of sense, I think, to uh, to do that. One last thing, Bobby. Uh, you said there were some higher-priced quarterbacks you're interested in. We're not going to get there on the show, so you want to just mention those guys real quickly?
4: I just think that there's all these – I mean, I, I'm interested in the New England-Pittsburgh game, so I, I have interest in both Brady and Roethlisberger there. That's mostly what I've focused on at this point. I also think Cam, if somehow uh, – that's kind of an interesting spot, so I, I wanna, I'm interested in him a little bit. But those three guys, I guess, would be the the majority of my interest. I'm okay with Wilson, but I'm not sure if I'm in love with it yet.
2: Right on. Um, yeah, we will. That's the one topic we did not get to last night of our eight was the Patriots-Steelers game. So we'll wrap up with that. Interested to get your thoughts on that one. Uh, another cheap quarterback that we touched on last night is Blake Bortles against the Texans. And we've seen the Texans – Really, their pass defense just give up a lot of big plays, kind of fall apart this season with injuries and whatnot. Uh, so one thing that we talked about last night, there's this concept that Bortles doesn't throw. It's easy to have that concept. I mean, it makes sense. The Jaguars, if you're looking at the numbers, they're 32nd in passing play percentage. So they throw less frequently than any other team in the league. But they – um they also have a tremendous defense, they, and, and as such, they end up running more plays than almost any other team in the league. So if you look through Bortles' game logs, 27 attempts last week, but 35, 33, 30, 51, 38, I mean, this guy's throwing over 30 pass attempts. Uh, I've also realized, we, we touched on last night, that this is going to end up being a shorter show than normal because we're like streamlining, it, streamlining it, but... Um, in, in recent blowouts, Jaguars blowout wins uh, against the Colts. Bortles still got 35 pass attempts. Against Cleveland, he got 30. Against Cincinnati, he got 38. And I think that this team, uh, in watching them, they seem to be doing basically what McVay is doing with the Rams. They're preparing for the playoffs. So they are continuing to run their offense deep into the game with a lead, get these guys as many reps as possible. And so I think that we can basically feel pretty safe with Bortles throwing it. 30 plus times, even if they get a blowout, uh, with that said, then let's say that the ownership is pretty similar between Bortles and Foles, Bobby in tournaments. Uh, where would you have more interest in that scenario?
4: I think Foles, I worry a little bit about the blowout potential with Jacksonville and I, it's close for me. right now I have both of them really close. So I honestly don't know, but right now there's two guys who I'm playing, uh, you know, below 6K or below 5,700, 5,700 or below or whatever. Um, I don't really have a, a strong preference one way or the other. The tiebreaker to be a slight fear of uh, blowing, them, get, blowing them out and then also being able to win the game, you know, on the ground easily enough along with their defense where they may not need to throw so often. So I think I might give the slight edge to Foles, but it's really close. I have them really about even right now.
2: Yeah, and I mean, I, there's the aspect of Philadelphia as kind of a more aggressive offense fundamentally. Then there's also the question marks about how they will manage. I mean, they can run the ball. Like, how will they manage things with, uh, with Foles under center? Actually, they are one of the run-heaviest teams in the NFL as well, which people don't realize because of the numbers that – Uh, that Wentz puts up, but this team runs the ball almost as frequently as the Jaguars do. I'm pulling up the numbers right now. I believe they're 27th. They're 26th in passing play percentage. Uh, The Jaguars are 32nd. So it's not that far apart. Uh, Grant, I know that you love Foles this week. Any love for Blake Bortles as a cash game quarterback as well?
3: I mean, as I quoted on December 3rd, it should be very clear to everyone right now that Blake Bortles is the new Tom Brady We haven't seen a QB this good since Peyton Manning and Trent Dilfer, which is very clearly a joke on my part. But Bortles is playing really well, and it's mostly because it's a system. It's another one of those things where it's a system, where they're running running extreme out plays. They're not going for huge gains. They're not going for plays that may or may not turn the ball over. They're going for high-efficiency plays, which is why they're running a lot more – plays than most other people also because they run the ball and they go for first downs basically every single time, time not trying to air the ball out with portals. They have a lot of wide receivers in the offense that can do a whole lot with the ball in their hands in open field. Edie Westbrook's a guy. Marquise Flea a guy. Cole, and Is it Cole or Cole? Kenan Coleman? Cole? Cole, yeah, Cole. Cole. I can't remember if it was Cole or Coleman. There's a lot of them out there. A lot of Coles <laughs> and Colesman. Also, uh, but- your
2: signature is not knowing names, so there's that –
3: yeah, yeah, but in any case, all these guys can do a whole lot. I mean, there's a reason why there's a lot of different games where Bortles – like, if you stack Bortles with two of his wide receivers, that's a, pretty much a tournament-winning uh, lineup. Like, it happened two weeks ago. It happened six weeks ago. Now it's coming, to become a little bit more a problem because most of them are starting to get up there in price. I think Didi is like 5'2", uh, Mark Lee is 6-something. So it becomes a little bit less affordable to do that, and it's not really a good strategy anymore. But Bortles on his own at 5'7". He's a pretty good play. Uh, I, he's still way below Foles for me. But of the guys under 6K, he's number two, but it's not really close between and Foles.
2: Gotcha. Um, all right, so one other cheap quarterback. I'm actually more interested in him for his one of his wide receivers than for him. But I think that he's completely viable as well, along with Foles and Bortles. And that is Jimmy Garoppolo. So Garoppolo is a little bit more expensive than those guys at 6,300. He's playing the Titans. Um, Marquise Goodwin, that's really the guy that I'm interested in. And people are probably going to think I'm crazy, but I played Goodwin in cash last week. I played Goodwin over Sterling Shepard last week. I love Goodwin. I love the way that they're using him in this offense. Uh, I think he's a a really good player. Um, And we're seeing this Kyle Shanahan scheme finally taking hold. With Garoppolo under center after struggling with Hoyer, struggling with Beathard, San Francisco's won, what, two straight games, right? I mean, this is not a – I mean, it's not a good team, but it's not an awful team when you have a good quarterback under center. So, Bobby, in tournaments against this Tennessee defense you like picking on, what is your level? Quick
3: quick interjection. Uh, Who's he going to be better than? Uh, Who did I say last night? Matt Ryan.
2: Oh
4: yeah. Uh, yeah. I think so Jimmy Garoppolo less better than Matt Ryan.
2: I said, uh, yeah, I think that Jimmy Garoppolo give him, I think that he's a better quarterback than Matt Ryan. And I think that give him three years in the system, give him a chance to get to know this system. And we've seen Matt Ryan has always like, he was considered a big disappointment for a number. What was he one overall number two overall pick? Uh, he was considered a disappointment until last season And two years ago, his first year in Shanahan's scheme, he really struggled to grasp it. Last year he figured out some things and we saw what he was able to do. Uh, We've seen what he's doing this year. He's holding back his team with a lesser offensive coordinator back there. I genuinely think that with some weapons and comfort in Shanahan's system two or three years from now, we're going to see Garoppolo as a better quarterback than Matt Ryan. Um, I mean, he might not put up the season that Matt Ryan put up last year, but consistently, year in and year out, he's going to be doing better than Matt Ryan, is what I think. Um, maybe that's crazy, but I really don't think it is. So, Bobby, uh, you basically have Matt Ryan 2.0 and Marquise Goodwin against this Tennessee team you like to pick on already. Uh, what's your level of interest in the 49ers passing attack?
4: Definitely interested in Goodwin. Big fan. I like how they're using him now, and he can—he's a, a game breaker, and they're actually figuring out ways to use him on like possession rece- as a possession receiver at times too. So. His targets are going to stay really high. I love uh, trying to attack this defense who's been really, like, got a cake schedule for the most part uh, of the season. And uh, they haven't played a lot of good quarterbacks. So I think Garoppolo is good. I don't know if I agree that he's as good as you think he is. That's fair. (laughs) Um, But I do think that he makes sense. If he wasn't in the price range, like, I can just pay up to get Roethlisberger in a possible monster spot, you know. Um, I could I could pay up a higher to go to Brady. It's just potential. I think these top guys can really like put up one of those thirty plus fantasy point games. I think there's a couple of guys who can. I don't know that Garoppolo is one of
2: them. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So more interest in Goodwin than in Garoppolo. You're saying? Yes. Yeah, uh, I like that quite a bit. Um, Grant, what are your thoughts on
3: Garoppolo this week?
1: I mean, it's going uh, Garoppolo,
2: Goodwin, good that entire passing attack.
3: Yeah, I mean, they're going up against Tennessee that's been slaughtered by number one wide receivers lately. It seems like Goodwin is going to be heavily involved in the offense. He is getting a huge target share, and he's actually been had a pretty good catch rate in the last few weeks on those target shares. So it's 6K. He's not going to be a guy that England really wants to pay for. But this game's projected to be close. San Francisco has a 23 implied team total. They're trying to see what Jimmy Garoppolo can do and trying to get him a handle on the system. So they're probably going to be throwing the ball before. um I don't. There's not really a whole lot going against Garoppolo being a good player or Goodwin being a good play. Yeah, I get uh, all how you want to play a whole bunch of other guys at higher prices, Bobby. And realistically, the one guy that I'm looking at probably more than anyone else in the high range is Cam Newton, who's only $100 more. Um, yeah. he's going, he has a better matchup. He can run. He's putting up points consistently week in, week out lately. And it's against Green Bay. It's in Carolina. All these signs point to him having a great week. He has a higher floor, a higher ceiling. So I don't know if I can go with Garoppolo just based on him being $100 cheaper than Cam Newton. So other than that, but yeah, a good one. He's a great play in full point PPR. He should get double digit targets against a team that's really bad against wide receivers. Number one. I
2: like it. Uh, I like that call on Cam. Uh, like Cam, because he's so unpredictable, it- the matchup has had little to do with when he's having a good game and when he's not, I've kind of put him out of mind, but you guys are right. I mean, it's a great spot for cam this week, especially if Aaron Rodgers comes back and can keep that game close. Another offense that has been really interesting to pay attention to lately is a team that we've all had interest in. And that is the Cleveland Browns. They're taking yeah. on the Ravens with no Jimmy Smith at cornerback. That made a big difference. Obviously it was Antonio Brown, but that made a big difference with Antonio Brown. Um, So, Kaiser's probably less on our radar than Foles and Bortles, I'm assuming, but uh, Corey Coleman, once again, uh, Coleman put up a good game against the Ravens earlier in the year when Jimmy Smith was healthy, when Gordon was not there to draw attention away. Two weeks ago, Gordon got 11 targets and Coleman got six, but last week it was six apiece. I'm not sure that it's going to be a huge gap. I think this could be a Westbrook and Lee situation where... You know, Lee's been getting 10 or 11, but Didi's Dee still getting 8 or 9. I, I think we could see it settle in like that. I think we could see Gordon getting 10-plus most weeks, but Coleman getting 7-plus. So, interest in cash games, uh, Grant, on these these wide receivers against the Ravens.
3: Yeah, so it, it's, it is very much interesting. Uh, Josh Gordon's one of the most talented guys in the NFL without – What's his name, Harris, going up against him on the other side? That gives him a huge bump. Uh, Coleman is also a superstar that just been in love with since he came into the league. Problem is, he's been injured. People don't realize that Kaiser is pretty terrible, but he's also been terrible without any wide receivers around him. And then he hasn't played in strong or in any real good matchup uh, throughout the entire time where he's had both Gordon and Coleman, or even just Coleman, really. They've played Jacksonville, they've played other tough defenses. So I think this is a spot where Gordon, if there's not wind to worry about like last week, he could end up with 10, 12 targets, and he could very easily end up with upwards of 150 yards in pretty much any game. This guy led the league with in 14 games played only. So Eats has a really high floor, a really high ceiling, and even pairing all three of them together going up against Baltimore, it's a very tough defense, uh, but also it's a very – it's an, very different defense without Harrison there. And Bobby mentioned this last night, and I'll let him mention it again. But, you know, I'll just let you mention it again. Nijoku, good play this week.
2: <laughs> All right. Bobby, let's swing it over to you. Cleveland in attorneys uh, this week.
4: Yeah, uh, more – yeah, I'm interested in each piece of it. I still don't know if I'm going to go with Kaiser. But um, other than that, I, I like each of the receivers. And then I'm, I am really interested in Nijoku, uh because of what these – very poor receivers have, very, very poor tight ends have done to them all year long. And I don't think, I think Joku is actually pretty talented. He's had, he has, he has nine red zone targets this year and four touchdowns. They looked from a lot down there. If you factor in what, like, what guys like Jesse James just did to this Baltimore defense, what Mercedes Lewis did to this Baltimore defense with getting, you know, those three touchdowns back in London, um, they just, I just think there's a lot of upside here for a potential sneaky, like, multi touchdown game from, Njoku in this spot uh, I think they'll try and funnel things more towards the middle and I think they'll they'll try and hit the receivers early but as the game progresses and especially when they get down in the red zone you're gonna see a lot of a lot of Njoku
2: yeah Njoku is uh, super talented physically I think that we've seen on the field that he's a pretty good football player too at the NFL level and the only issue has been much like Hunter Henry the only real issue has been involvement I think if he's involved this week at it's 2700 isn't it yeah yeah, I mean, if he's involved this week at a price like that, it makes for a phenomenal tournament play. This is a guy who, yes, he could get you two or three points. There's also a guy who could get you 15 to 20 points in a good matchup where target should be filtered in his direction. Definitely worth a dart throw in tournaments. Uh, on a week without a ton to love in terms of salary savers, definitely gives you a lot of upside, exposes you to uh, a guy who can put up a lot of points and won't, won't be very high-owned either. Uh, all right, so another guy whose price has, um, I believe, gone up this week is Larry Fitzgerald. He was 6500 last week. Uh, he's up to 6900 this week after he disappointed at pretty high ownership. But he's taking on this Washington defense that has Breland and Norman on the outside. They have Fuller in the slot. Fuller is their weakest link. Uh, we've seen what... Adam Thielen did against his team. He put up over 30 fantasy points. We've seen what Doug Baldwin did. I, I believe he put up 26 fantasy points. We saw Keenan Allen put up 20 in a blowout with his workload drying up pretty early, early in the game. Realistically, those are the three receivers who are the closest comps for Larry Fitzgerald as far as their talent, as far as what makes them good players, as far as their role in their offense. So three guys have all put up 20 to 30 plus points. Larry Fitzgerald this week. He's getting all the targets. Uh, Bobby, what are your thoughts on Fitz this week against the Washington Redskins?
4: Fitz, at low ownership. Absolutely. sand me up. Uh, one of the greatest receivers of all time. I'm, on board with him, uh, I think the ownership, everybody will be off of him, and we all know what he does every time that happens. Uh, it's weird. He can smash in pretty much any, any uh, situation, and I think this is a good spot for him. I don't mind the price. Uh, I think that I'm just more focused and excited because I think there's huge upside at what will uh, unusually be low ownership on him.
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, pattern recognition shows that anytime we don't roster him, he decides to have a good game. So I don't know if that's really mathematically something that makes sense uh, or something that we can point to as a real reason to play him, but it keeps happening. So uh, definitely something to pay attention to. Grant, thoughts on Larry Fitzgerald this week with Blaine Gabbert throwing him the ball?
3: Um, yeah, I mean, he, Washington's a team that gives up a whole lot of targets over the middle uh, as you said, Fitzgerald, whenever he's not jockey, is a great play, but he should see enough targets. And last week was a little bit of a fluke. Gabbard's played well in pretty much every single game he's played, and he's been in tough matchups. Last week he was supposed to smash. He didn't. People forget way too quickly that they were on him, and it's not like Washington's really that great of a defense, but they funnel so much over the uh, middle of the field that I could see Fitzgerald in for a huge amount of volume and he can obviously do a ton with that volume. So if they just end up in the red zone a little bit, then he could end up with a two-touchdown, 100-yard game. And if you're going to get someone at low ownership that was at high ownership a week prior, then in you and pretty much a neutral matchup between the two. And you always go with them, and it's normally a pretty good call.
2: Yeah, it's the same thing as Demarius Thomas last week. It's based, I mean, with a much better setup, one thing that we've dealt with with Demarius this year is that they do throw a lot of – Targets to him outside the numbers, and obviously he lines up outside, but he doesn't run as many of these slant routes as he does these out routes or these deep posts, um, these deep outs, these throws that require a a stronger arm under center, a guy who can really push the ball outside. Whereas, you know, coming into last week, we had Gabbert throwing 78% of, uh, or completing 78% of his passes to Fitz and 36% to other wide receivers. This is a quarterback who loves throwing between the numbers. He has for years. It's where he's most successful. That's where Fitz is running his routes. That's where Washington is weakest, and nobody's going to be on him. So, I mean, last week it was Demaryius Thomas, and it was like, hey, this guy could have a good game, and no one will be on him. This week it's like Fitz is likely to have a good game, and nobody's going to be on him. So I think that's uh, definitely a spot that I'm very interested in. Um, Grant I think Grant you brought it up already like there's there's a ton to or I guess you're talking about quarterback but there's just not a ton to like love paying up for I mean I think that a guy in this 7k range is a good use of salary that you don't have to get up to DeAndre Hopkins against Jacksonville at 7,700 or Thielen in a tougher matchup against Cincinnati at 7,600 if you go to Fitz at 6,900 I think he's just as good of a play in this spot um, all right Moving right along, guys. We're flying through this. Uh, LaShawn McCoy or Todd Gurley for high-priced running backs? Tyrod Taylor should be back this week. Todd Gurley has a tough matchup against Seattle, but he had a tough matchup last week against Philadelphia, a team that had given up about 300 fewer rushing yards than any other team in football. He still put up almost 100 yards on the ground on only 13 carries, I think it was. Still got the pass game work, still got the goal line work. Um, you know, it's his role that makes him so valuable. Obviously, obviously, the matchup is tough. The matchup is much easier for LaShawn McCoy. So, Grant, where are you leaning between these two this week?
3: Um, better matchup, probably just as much upside. Everything points to McCoy in this matchup. Uh, Gurley's had tough problems against Seattle. It's Seattle versus the Rams, which always tends to be close and low scoring. Look over the past few years, it doesn't matter how good each team is. They're always close and low scoring. Um, this is going to be a spot where Seattle's going to force them to pass because they always just like to stay heavy on the run every single week. Uh, their entire secondary is decimated. So Rams, it's not like they're a bad passing team. They're a pretty darn good passing team. So they'll probably be airing the ball out quite a bit. It's Cooper Cup's homecoming game. He's from Central Washington, so Whoa. being back in Washington – uh, and Seattle's gotten slaughtered by good slot wide receivers over the last month. So both of those are things to consider. But it's McCoy all the way for me over Gurley, and it's not really close. Bringing out the big
2: guns as the Washington native, I like it. Uh, Bobby, Gurley, um, best running back in football or or McCoy? Who are you taking this week?
4: I'm uh, taking McCoy. I think that I don't want to mess with the – this, I, I still think it's, it's the one defense that really shut him down. I think it's okay to go either way. I'm actually, again, it's one of those that I'm close on. I prefer the matchup for McCoy. I like Gurley's floor overall, but this is um, they're the one team that got him, and I don't think I don't see any reason why they wouldn't again. Uh, but still, I think he's actually. I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm, I'm iffy on this one. I, I, I right now, like we talked about it last night, I was much more on McCoy. Now I'm starting to get a little bit more on maybe maybe it's okay to play him here. But honestly, I pro- I might just look elsewhere.
2: You know, one thing I'm really bad at, and it's not a bad thing to be bad at, but one thing I'm really bad at is playing good players in in poor matchups. So last week, I mean, I, I didn't uh, regret it. I paid up for DeAndre Hopkins and paid up for Keenan Allen. Instead of paying up for Gurley, I think it was, it was easy enough on DraftKings to fit in two of these three guys, and those were the two I chose. Um, but again, like in these tougher matchups, I have a hard time pulling the trigger. Obviously, Gurley's – workload gives him such a high floor, but yeah, I mean, I, I'm totally fine going with McCoy. Obviously uh, workload is the concern for McCoy. So that's one thing you do lock in with Gurley is just a ton of touches. Whereas McCoy, you have this idiotic coaching staff that does not understand the value of giving him the ball 32 carries last week, but who knows what it's going to be this week. It was, you know, 16, 14 every week before that. Um, that's one. Thing partly, that was
4: that was the blowout factor, though, too. Like that was a weird situation because they were. You don't usually see teams down by like thirty-five plus points, you know, often. Because he actually had a decent workload in both those games in the first half.
2: Yeah, that's true. Uh, the other concern for me has been the the pass game work drying up as they've been getting. Um, I'm drawing a blank even on on whatever scrub it is that they have behind him right now. Traverse Cadet is who it is. Okay. um you know it's like cadet got 14 targets over um you know a, a three game stretch where mccoy got like 10 targets over that same stretch it's, it's just bizarre to me but um but yeah if the workload's there i agree that mccoy is definitely in the better play obviously workload is my my one concern um all right guys last topic the one that we did not get to last night the one that's fresh for all of us How many players is too many to play from the Patriots and Steelers game? Bobby, how many players is too many to play from that game?
4: Let's see. So we can play. All right. I think that all but one spot if you can somehow find a way to get the right guys. I don't know. You can't put those guys in. But, no, I mean, I don't know. I I really think I I, I, I just cannot get enough of – this game uh, I, I'll play guys like a little bit off the board like Bryant or whatever just because I want pieces of it I think it could uh it could be a really 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 high scoring game and snatch even the already high over so I'm interested in this game uh I don't know how many the exact number is but right now I'm trying to get as many as possible
2: I like it uh I I do think it's interesting that in the last two matchups against the Patriots Ben Roethlisberger had one touchdown and one interception in the playoffs last year. And then he had um, one touchdown and one interception in 2015. Both of those games he threw for well over 300 yards. So if you're just going to say, hey, touchdown regression is going to work in his favor. I I'm certainly on finding on, on that side of things here. Um, Grant, how many players is too many for you, especially in cash games?
3: Well, let's see. Bell is obviously in play. Brown is obviously in play. Roethlisberger is obviously in play. I think you can go with Juju expecting uh, the Patriots to try and shut down either Bell or Brown, and you just pair up the other – one of those guys with uh, Juju. Um, On the Patriots side, Brady obviously in play. Gronk obviously in play. One of the wide receivers obviously in play. If it looks like Hogan's going to be back, then he could obviously back at full strength. He could obviously do some stuff. The guy I'm really looking at is Rex Burkhead in this game, 6,400. Pittsburgh, 25% of opposing targets go to the RB. And he's – like you can go with him or Lewis, but Burkhead's obviously more of a pass-receiving guy. I could see him potentially getting, what, six catches in this game. And he's obviously the guy they like to go to most in the red zone. So he has a huge ceiling at 6,400. I don't think people are going to pay up for him, even though he's just been crushing it lately. I think a lot of it actually goes back to the fact that it's a split committee and when he was actually shocked one week, everyone lost their their mind. And he cost me a bunch of money. So I should hate him, but I'm going to play him.
0: Yeah,
2: I mean, uh, there was one week where everybody loved him, he did poorly, and then nobody's been on him since then and he's been crushing. His role hasn't changed from the reason people loved him. It happens in DFS. Sometimes, you know, you miss out. You, you roster a guy and he has a bad game, but you can't let that affect decisions down the road. Um, it's going to be a really interesting spot just to see how heavy people are willing to go in this game. There's not a lot of games that have this type of shootout potential. And I think that it's the sort of spot where it makes sense to go overweight on what other people are doing. Uh, if you play enough two- and three-game slates, which I don't, but you really start to see that in the right games, you can take six guys from, from one game and put up 200 points. Mm-hmm. Um, it's about picking the right game to do it. Um, and this is obviously a game that could shoot out. It's obviously a game that uh should go over 50 points it's a game that could easily go over 60 or even approach 70 points so um a lot of things to like in this spot i'm not averse to anything you guys said there i will definitely like i would definitely like to have a ton of exposure to this game on my main team this week um all right guys time for some love at first sight grant i'm sure you have Several stories to share with us. Um, we've had an extra day. So what do you have for Love at First Sight?
3: I don't think I'm changing from what happened last night because I'm still really confused by it. I mean, you guys have obviously had bots or something like that on either Twitter or Facebook or something like friend request you or try and talk to you in weird things, right? Sure. MySpace. Yeah, space. So, yeah oh, oh, definitely MySpace. <laughs> yeah, that's that happened to me, and I did. things got really weird. She started talking to me. I'm like, oh, she's a bot. I'm going to mess with her.
2: Wait, wait. You should clarify that it was with text message, wasn't it?
3: No, this was this was on Facebook chat.
2: Okay, but you did end up getting a call eventually. That was why I was confused.
3: I ended up old we'll get to that. But, like, <laughs> I don't know. I'll just give you some of the highlights. Hi, my name's Isabel. I'm from Paris, blah, blah, blah. So I replied with Booga Booga. It's like, oh, okay. Well, nice. How old are you? Old enough to roadhouse. Okay. I'm 29. I work in a restaurant. What do you do for a living? Prostitution. What are you doing tonight? Bath of Pepto-Bismol and masturbation. And then it just got really weird. Then it got weird. To, <laughs> yeah. Well, then just like, are you a bot? No, I'm not a bot. Why would you ask me that? The bot would, would not answer that. So, And she started saying the question like, oh, this is an old old 90-year-old man who's going to show me his testicles and is trying to pack it. That's my immediate thought, which is logical. And then I keep saying weird things, and then she starts calling me on FaceTime. And lo and behold, she's a real person, starts talking to me, then takes off her clothes, and then tries to get me naked. And I was just so confused and had someone right next to me. I didn't know what to do. I refused. Then she called me later on the night, did the same thing, told me to get naked, I retorted no. She's like, oh, come on, please. And then she blocked me for life. And so moral of the story is sometimes things are exactly what they seem to be um, or not at all what they seem to be. In any case, New England and Pitt's just going to be a great game. We already talked about why, why we love that. It's very obvious that there's so many different places to go. But in any case um, – Sometimes people aren't actually bots. Sometimes they're just weird or trying to blackmail you.
2: Yeah. We're all learning a lot here, to be honest, and I appreciate that. Uh, (laughs) Definitely another glimpse into Grant's strange and exotic life. Bobby, uh, what game is standing out to you on the front end of the week?
3: And who has tried to catfish
4: you? And who has tried to catfish you? It's New England-Pittsburgh. I can't think of a good catfish story off the top of my head. Um, but it's New England and Pittsburgh. I can't take the same one, so I'll just take Tennessee and San Fran by default because I do like the Garoppolo-Goodwin thing enough, Uh, but still, I think mostly it's going to be New England-Pittsburgh for me for all the reasons we just talked about. I don't even have it all figured out on the Tennessee side of it yet. I have no faith uh, in my boy anymore and his role in this offense, so maybe I'll take one last shot at him, but if I'm not going to play the uh, the other game, the New England-Pittsburgh stack, I don't really have another one that I'm in love with.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's kind of ugly this week. Uh, you, The only other high total game is Jets and New Orleans, but New Orleans is a 16-point favorite, so that creates some complications for chasing upside. And then uh, L.A. and Seattle, uh, the Rams and Seattle, which – could easily turn into a low scoring game as well. Uh, I think that the one that you mentioned, Bobby, is the, that would be the second one that I would gravitate toward myself. Uh, I guess the third one after those, those two that you guys mentioned would be green Bay and Carolina. And this is probably contingent on Rogers coming back as far as me having a large amount of interest in it. And we, we kind of touched on last night that the wide receivers on the Packers have actually been priced up as well. Um, and, you know, that that's leaving us with paying Aaron Rodgers to Geordie prices, and we're really not sure what that means at this point. Um, I brought up last night that Mike Glennon is the only quarterback in the NFL this year with fewer average intended air yards than Rodgers, which means, like, the average yards downfield that the throws are going. So, uh, you know, you're not really rostering this as an explosive offense. This is a dink and dunk offense, but um, I think that if Rodgers is in there, we could get some points on the Packers' side and create opportunities for the Panthers to uh, you know, really put up a nice game with Cam Newton and with one or two of his weapons. So definitely not a game to load up on like these other two. Uh, I wouldn't mind loading up on Tennessee and San Francisco <coughs> just because of the pace of play and some of the weapons in the game. But New England and Pittsburgh is the clear gem on this weekend, and then I think you branch out from there. Uh, seems like last night and tonight, None of us made any really ridiculous statements, 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 uh, thing, but we can't call that a bold call because there's no way to prove it for a few years. Uh, what do we want to do for bold calls then?
3: I don't know. Just give me a position. I'll give you a price range.
2: All right. Wide receiver.
3: Wide receiver. Oh, this is nice. Yes. Uh, six five 5.9 to 6K or to 7K wide receiver. Uh, 5.9
2: to 7K. Uh, all right. I'm going to let you go first then. Uh,
3: this is definitely. a great
2: range. This is a great range because we have uh, Josh Gordon. We have Fitzgerald. <laughs> we have some of these guys who are I'm priced not down for their Josh matchup.
3: There. I'm not allowing Josh Gordon there. All
2: right. All right. That's fine. Um, we have AJ Green priced down for his matchup. We have Jordy Nelson priced up for Aaron Rodgers being in there. Definitely a lot to choose from. Um, I'm assuming an
3: optimal that – an matchup.
2: I'm assuming that um that um, Bobby and I both want um Marquise Goodwin, right?
4: I like Marquise Goodwin. I'm okay with taking Fitzgerald or uh actually I think I yeah, I'm okay with I I'd be okay with Fitzgerald or I'd be okay with AJ Creed. Uh
2: I'll let you pick. You can pick whichever one you want and I'll take um I'll take Goodwin or Fitz if whichever one's available.
4: I, okay, I'm I think I'm probably going to take Fitz. All right, and we're doing point per dollar, right?
3: Yep. Yeah.
2: Uh, I think that all three of these guys are really good plays this week. I think that Gordon's a really good play as well. I think this is a great range to be in for wide receivers. I'll take Goodwin, um, a little more boomer bust, but I think that the, the targets are going to be there. We've seen that week in and week out. And like Bobby mentioned, they're using him at all levels of the field. They're not just using him as a downfield burner. He went eight for 99 two weeks ago. Uh, six for 106 last week. That's a pair of really good scores without scoring a touchdown. And he's their leader in red zone targets. So touchdowns are going to come eventually. Um, so I'll take that one. Um, anything Can I change else? my to pick to be...
4: A.J. Green? Yeah, yeah, go for it. A.J. Green. Okay, I want A.J. Green instead.
2: Uh, I like it. I like it. It's a little bold, and that's what this is supposed to be. Uh, I'll say that Goodwin's Goodwin's a little bit bold too, just nobody else is using. Is him yet.
3: Jeffrey a little bit bold with an unknown quarterback who targeted him thirty no. percent of the time last week? Nope. I think he'll be the lowest owned of all three of them.
2: Yeah, I, I think that I think that picking uh, somebody with a backup quarterback is always bold as well. I mean, I, I think we're all in fine shape. I wouldn't I wouldn't mind having three or four wide receivers from this price range on one t- on my main team but I don't think that most people will be thinking that way. Um, We'll definitely have a chance to set ourselves apart with that. Um, Grant, uh, we're finishing early. Do you have anything else that you want to add, or are we good to let the people go?
3: I mean, I guess don't get catfished. Um, If you're going to get blackmailed by someone with naked pictures, just have your own naked pictures already out on the Internet. That way no one can blackmail with you with them with you and you, you you know you can photoshop and make yourself look like you lost five pounds from being sick or something i don't know um but <laughs> if you're gonna make stupid decisions make them while you're not young so that there's nowhere to go but up also I like if it. you're young enough to still be making those stupid decisions you probably shouldn't be listening to us
2: i like it a lot uh bobby any final thoughts before we get out of here
4: uh, no, I think Grant just about covered it there. <laughs> uh, no, it's good to get together with you guys, uh, even if it was a day late. And, uh, yeah, looking forward to another week and hopefully this NFL season will end soon. Not just because it's not the, been the best uh, financially for me, but it's, uh, it's been hard to watch. So I'm, uh, I'm ready to get this uh, season going and over with.
2: <laughs> hey, I think we'll have good playoff football. We have actual good, we have a lot of bad teams in the NFL right now. I think that the Rams, the Eagles, the Patriots, the Steelers, the Seahawks, the Vikings, uh, there's a few other, are all genuinely good teams. So hopefully uh, good playoff football to reward us for a really ugly uh, season from an actual football perspective on the NFL level. Uh, With that, I am JM Twin. He is Bobby Pye. He is Genie for 07. Thanks for hanging out. We will see you next week. Same time, same place. Maybe even a day earlier. On our normal day, Uh, and we'll see you at the top of the leaderboards this weekend.
3: Take it.